Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love. We about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. There we go. Uh, you got it. And you know what? Beyond Critical Role, because today we're not talking about that. Today nope. we're actually talking about something different. Get that nerd D and D stuff. Sorry, I just <laughs> I just jumped in again. You know, no, no, I get no. so excited. Take the nerd D and D stuff. Get it out of here. We're going to some other nerd stuff over here. <laughs> That's right. You know, some, okay. of you guys, some of you guys have joked about this being a critical role channel. It is no longer. We're getting back to our roots of a wide expanse of nerdy stuff. Still no games. We don't do games. So <laughs> don't ask us about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just remembered something that it's, maybe it's not the time to talk about it right now. But, you know, talking about the memes of the Pixelist channel, it's like games. And then I was like The Witcher 2. And then I just got mm. devastated all over again. Yeah. Henry Cavill. Leaving the Witcher series after season three, the show seems doomed, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, of course, like I'm not even going to watch it. I don't think it's season four. And it makes me think season three is probably more of a continuation in the things that went wrong in season two, I would yeah. imagine. And that's probably yeah. one of the reasons he stepped away. We probably need like a separate. Superman. Yeah, we need a separate video on this probably. But there was something so sweet about Henry Cavill being casted as Geralt and him being a diehard Witcher fan himself. Like, I don't know, there's just something that, that makes the show all more enjoyable, and then also forgiving when it has, like, terrible writing. Yeah. But yeah, prob another, another topic for another time. I, that just came to me right there when you... It was just a series of sad emotions. But anyway, today we're talking about Rings of Power, the Amazon Lord of the Rings show. And this is a little bit different than our, our normal content. We've Blake and I both have seen the entire show already. Um, so we're going to kind of give our thoughts, our critiques, and maybe, you know, a generalized, should you watch this show? You know, is this worth your time type of thing? Yeah, I think we're going to put like our stamp of either approval or our stamp of disapproval. We got two stamps. <laughs> There's two stamps. Yeah. So ultimately, we want we want we want to talk about is this a good show or not? They spent a billion dollars on this show, yep. which, brother, I can't think of a show that spent this much money. I mean, how much was Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones was a lot, but I do I do remember like this set the record. This is like literally yeah, okay. the most expensive show of all time. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, let's dive into this, the discussion. And if you're new to the channel, you can check out our other video content. We talk about all sorts of different shows, movies, things like that. A lot of Marvel, a lot of Critical Role, D&D &D kind of stuff. And, um, you know, we're just going to talk about what we think about it. And we'd love to know what you think about it. So let us know in the comments uh, your spicy take or non-spicy take. <laughs> so uh, how do you want to do this? That's a good question. Uh we haven't we purposely have not talked about this together right to keep it keep it authentic keep it for fresh, the podcast yeah, yeah. We're, we're all running by the seat of our pants right now uh maybe go ahead well, yeah, so maybe like an extremely rough recap okay. like sub two minutes like this is kind of generically what happened in the show for season one all right yeah so 
basically the rings of power like 30 minutes later <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> the subtext of this scene is actually <laughs> I'll, I'll, okay i'll do my best here so the rings of power is essentially a prequel series to what we're familiar with from the lord of the rings and the hobbit based on J.R.R. tolkien's you know not only lord of the rings but all of the prolific stuff he wrote about this right. world in the cimmerillion and i'm sure there's other things and a quick disclaimer, I guess, is that I, and I don't want to speak for Blake, <laughs> but I am not like a Lord of the Rings buff. Like, you know, for those of you coming from our Critical Role content, I like to think I know what I'm talking about there. Here, no. Like, I'm probably missing connections, going to say the wrong thing. Yeah, story. and I think it actually, something worth saying, we should have said that at the start, and we didn't talk about this, Will, but so correct me if you disagree. Um, maybe just like a blanket no book spoilers in the comment section um because we will have people who probably check out this video i know personally i've tried to avoid book spoilers only because the little that i read spoiled some pretty interesting stuff for me in season oh, wow. one um so i would just say in general for those of you who are more well well read uh, just be cognizant of book spoilers similar to what we had with game of thrones which i know it's the book the book spoilers are a little bit different in that it's not like here's then what happened and then this is what happened but more kind of theories hey it could be this you know here's a little detail um i'd say keep the book spoilers just out as best we can yeah or Agreed you know at the very or, least just hit us with a big capitalized spoilers you know asterisks right. and then you know if you want to make the comment you could do it then but just definitely at least tag it please yeah um having said that i haven't read anything so i'm definitely not <laughs> yeah so neither of you us guys are experts to the channel where <laughs> we're going to tell you if this is a good show but we know nothing about lord of the rings so yeah you know it's a it's an important perspective um, yeah but so anyway this series the rings of power is a prequel to the lord of the rings based on tolkien's lore if you will and it covers the events during uh middle earth's second age which is when all of these rings you know the ring of power that we're familiar with from lord of the rings when all of these were forged um so it's about basically the rise of lord sauron um so these I know these events take place in the lore over like thousands and thousands of years. So I think for the purposes of this show, it's kind of going to be its own canon in a way like they're going to take some creative liberties here and there. So it's not going to be, you know, parse for parse the exact same. But that is the era. That is the story that this show is ultimately fell across. However many seasons, um, I imagine it's at least more than one with how much money they've already pumped into this. But a uh, quick recap, the main character, there's several, but I would say is Galadriel. And right. um, you're not going to give her a whole backstory. If you're on this video, you probably at least know who that is. Uh, and it's following her story after this great war um, between Morgoth and the forces of good, if you will. They've defeated Morgoth and now people are trying to get back to normal. But Galadriel's brother was killed by Sauron during this war. And she's basically still out for revenge. She's not over right. it. She's not ready to move on. She still thinks he's out there. She thinks the forces of Morgoth are not fully defeated. And this is her obsession. And so the story follows her following that obsession, uh, coming into contact quickly with a man named Halbrand. He can, they kind of join forces throughout this first season. Um, skipping spoilers for now, we also follow the story of these human kingdoms, uh, this human kingdom in the Southlands. Uh, well, not kingdom, these people in the Southlands. Yeah. Um, who are being guarded by elves because they, back in the day, fought on Morgoth's side. So they've still been kind of watched over by these elves. So we follow the story 
of this settlement and also the elf that is kind of guarding them. Um, and they kind of discover that orcs are still around and they're trying to deal with that. And we also have the storyline of the humans of Numenor, which are this like secluded band of humans from back in the day. Yeah. And ultimately, Galadriel and Halbrand advance to come enter the the Southlands, the Southlands skirmish, and right. uh, some stuff ensues. Lots of things happen clearly, and uh, I guess I don't want to get into too many like spoilers in this quick recap, but it's ba- yeah, okay. this is all set up right and. Um, that's the gist of it. I don't know. That was probably terrible, but yeah, no, you get some, you get some main story points. I mean, you, I will, I'm going to, I'm going to ding you cause you missed the best story point, I know, which was Elrond and the bromance. Uh, yeah, yeah. With Durham, Durham, the third, I guess, Durham, the fourth. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the third. Cause I think his dad is the second. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the dwarven kingdom, um, there's a really great um, relationship there as well. So, um, and their discovery of Mithril and how Elrond really believes that, or rather, um, uh, Gilgalad, Gilgalad, is that right? The the uh, the king of the elves. I think so. I'm gonna butcher all these names. Yeah, but... sorry guys. If you yeah. if you're like diehard, just <laughs> go ahead and. Um, forgive us so (laughs) but anyway um they want the mithril and there's like a whole storyline there but um maybe a good starting point what did you think of the show okay let me just walk you through a quick journey oh okay you thought this through (laughs) a quick journey so even though you know just self-proclaimed not an expert on any of this um I haven't read the books, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the uh, the first Peter one, Jackson. the main one, yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite series of movies of all time. Like I love those movies. Yeah. I've seen them more times than I can count. Of course, the special extended versions. Um, yes. <laughs> so while I'm not like, you know, a diehard fan, I don't think it's fair to say I am a diehard like fan of those movies. Um so hearing about this show, I was excited. You know, I tried to temper my expectations because we've been hurt a lot in the past, but I came into the show hoping it was good and excited for it. So with the first two episodes, because, you know, it dropped two as like the right. premiere. Right. I know a lot of people were kind of on the fence about it. I liked them. I was I was like, I love it so far. This is great. Um, yeah, I I felt the same way. I I watched the first two and I thought. I thought, okay, this is, uh, I really like the intro episode. Um, I like the second episode a lot. And yeah, I felt similar that I was like, okay, I feel good about this. But I, I also watched the first two episodes. It, I mean, I think maybe it was like around episode four in terms of timeline. So it had been a couple of weeks. Hmm. So a lot of like the back and forth had already passed. So I, I feel like I got to watch the first two episodes in kind of a more insulated from criticism kind of way if that makes sense yeah it does and so again i like i did i heard some people weren't a big fan of the first two not the case for me i really liked it we can talk more about like the specifics of what i like and dislike in the show but started off good and in the middle of the season um i don't know it just kind of bro (laughs) it was a bit mediocre it i don't If we have to spend any more time in Numenor, I'm going (laughs) to lose it. That's what I felt in the middle was middles. Middles, maybe a little bit too. It was honestly, it was episodes three, four and five. It, it was 
Like the only thing worse than Numenor was when they all decided to leave Numenor and then the whole next episode they were still in Numenor. <laughs> like that's that was like my permanent hell was we can't get out of <laughs> Numenor. Um Numenor was definitely the lowest part of the show. I, I would say even the worst part of the show. And someone who ended watching it at episode five would have a totally different experience than someone who watched episode five through eight or was there eight or was there 10? There was eight. I think there were eight. Yeah. I think someone who watched five through eight had a totally different experience or rather six, seven, eight would have had a totally different experience than those three episodes. Yeah. And like I said, I I know a lot of people didn't like the first two, so I can imagine a lot of people maybe were out, you know, just, they didn't even finish. They started the show and they're like, I'm not about this. But so, yeah, for me, like the first two, the middle kind of lost me a bit. And I was like, man, and this example might not resonate with some of you if you don't know what I'm talking about. But it felt like a CW show to me. It did. Is, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yeah, for and sure. I, I don't know. it, Which is like the last thing you want to evoke when you are literally the highest budgeted show of all time. Um, so I kind of was starting to be like, man, I guess maybe some of the criticisms people were talking about, I kind of seeing them now. Um, but then to the show's credit, um, and the finale, especially, but like the last two episodes, I'll kind of cram together for this is it kind of got me back a little bit. I really enjoyed the finale and I could see the, I could see it more as a, a setup for this story. Like season one was kind of a setup that needed to happen. And this might just be, you know, blind op like naive optimism, but I think season two is is gonna be a lot better, or at least could be a lot better. So yeah, it we kinda that, we I went coping. real down and then got a little bit of hope at the end of the show. Yeah. I bet you think Witcher season three is gonna be good too. <laughs> oh, I was I wanted it to be, but now I don't think it's gonna uh, be that great. No, I mean I'm I'm with you. I mean, it definitely feels like there was a point the sh- the show turned in quality that that makes me hopeful for season two. Like it, it almost kind of felt like you could see the writers kind of seeing what stuck. And then around that mid season, they kind of found their rhythm. Um, or maybe it's just, you see like the weakness of the writing room uh, just played out and that yeah. these sort of like um, city politics, you know, kind of this intrigue back and forth, I would say is not a strength of the writing team. Um, literally every minute we like every time the scenes cut from like, um, you know, Elrond over back to Numenor, I was like, no, no, (laughs) go back, take me back. I don't want to see any more of this. And I've been trying to put my finger on like, what was so bad about Numenor? And I'm not sure what it is. I, I, I think about that comment. It it had like, had kind of like a CW vibe to it. Um, I feel like I never noticed things like set design or um, uh, costumes or things like that. But there was a point, like maybe around the second or third episode, where I was like, okay, they've been here for two weeks and they have the same outfits on. <laughs> like they've, they've been wearing the, like Galadriel has been wearing this green dress for two weeks. And this is a billion dollar show. And it got me thinking about Game of Thrones, about how like, every scene the characters seemed so um alive if that makes sense like they had different outfits on like every room felt like a living like things had been carefully placed except for season eight starbucks cup um (laughs) you know it just felt like there was a lot of intentionality there and with numenor i just kind of found myself thinking i don't know there was some weirdness stuff to it too like the part where um who's the senator 
um, uh, Farah, Farazoa, Farazon, Farazon. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to be good with names, but I know who you're talking about the guy. Your dad yeah, is yeah. Roman. Yeah, um, where he like does the speech, and then all the people come out with like wine glasses. I was like, what is going? Like, were these people just waiting in an alley? Like, which I get. I get like. I feel like the writers hit like the the detail of like like I get where they were coming from like he's a he's a motivator he's a political um pacifier and he's able to like pull strings and he knows how to satisfy people let's bring out the booze but the way this stuff was executed I was just like bro yeah. what is going on here Yeah it was just sloppy it was it they you know you're supposed to show not tell Right. In terms of like interesting characterization and stuff like that. And I felt like there was a lot of tell, not show, for if I can put that whole little comment in a box. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, it just, and what's crazy is there's like a stark contrast between like the absolutely gorgeous set dressings of like the New Zealand landscapes. And, right. you know, like part of it was like breathtaking. And I was like, this is beautiful. Like this looks movie quality. And then we have like the, this looks like it's in a CW show. Like specifically yeah. the um Isildur and his like two boat friends. Like all yeah. like the scenes where they're just in their simple robes and like in the random alleyway of, of Numenor. I was like, I feel like they made this for 10 bucks, like outside the in the alleyway behind the studio type of thing. So it was kind of jarring to like have yeah. those two situations. And it just wasn't like some stuff just like yeah. it, it like didn't land. Like you think about Il Sildor and his two boat friends um, losing, like losing <laughs> their, their position. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they lost, they get, they get thrown off like the whatever. Um, right. I can't think what it is. I think it was like, you know, a sea guard or whatever. But yeah. um, the, the whole scene was weird. Like he's, I, I liked, and here's what's, here's what's so frustrating about Numenor is there were like slight, touches of okay that'd be, that could be really cool like the fact yeah. that he's hearing his name and it, is it is his mother's name like what is that like as he sees like the edge of middle earth it's like what's happening like that's really cool and like the queen um bro we gotta like look up these names by the way before muriel <laughs> i think is at least her name. yeah uh i think it was muriel right or was it mariel uh we better stop. Wait, let's keep going. <laughs> so the queen, she's having the dream of Numenor being destroyed by these crashing waves. Like yeah. those are really interesting story points. But then beyond there, it's like it's like it, it's almost felt like when you have an idea for something and you don't want to do it yourself, and so you call someone and you pay them, you know, like you said, ten bucks, and then you like verbally tell them, like, okay, then you're going to do this, and then make sure it has this in it, and then what they give you, it's like, it's just garbage. Like specifically, I'm thinking about um, when they get thrown off. You have Isildur being kind of like day, he's dazing out, and the the rope slips from his hand, and then the captain of the the ship immediately says. Like what happened? What, what what's going on? And he he's gonna throw off like a couple of them or whatever. And then Isildur's like, no, it was me. And he's like, I've seen you, um, you know, tie that knot a thousand times. That was intentional. And I was like, wait, how did you go from what happened to I was watching you as you were holding? Like, it just was yeah. weird. It was like it was almost like that's they didn't have a reason to have him get thrown off. So they had to just let's just say he saw it. 
you know, let's just let's have them say he saw it. He, they're throwing off. It's over. I don't know, man. Like stuff like that. Just like when it skips steps, I'm yeah. kind of just like, wait, what? Yeah, just lazy writing. You know, they could have done it so much better. And yeah, I think it's just the the snowball effect of lots of those little things, especially throughout the middle episodes, that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So, I mean, for again the highest budgeted show of all time you would hope that it could be a little bit better but i mean i guess all the money in the world doesn't buy you good writing um yeah i mean i don't know i think also there just wasn't a there just wasn't a strong character to like lead those scenes like you think about um um oh my gosh dude um Tyrion lannister in uh anytime he's like kind of navigating the politics as Mm -hmm the hand of the king like that actor just peter carries dinklage. every yeah peter dinklage carries every scene um the horrific awful son you know for the purple the purple wedding or whatever yeah um carries his scenes tywin lannister carries his scenes and it just felt like we had a lot of just very milk toast characters like no one but there was the opportunity there. I actually, despite a lot of criticism, I really like Galadriel. And actually, I really like, um, what's the dad's name? Uh, yeah, um, Elendil. Yes, Elendil. I like him a lot, too. Loved Elendil. Yeah. I thought he was awesome. Um, but, I, but I just didn't really feel like anyone was really doing anything interesting, honestly. Yeah, so question for you there. How much of that do you think, or how much would you put on the actors for that and how much would you put on the writing like do you think some of it was just like you wish there were some better actors like a la peter dinklage or do you think they just really didn't have stuff to chew on i don't think the i don't think it's a strong point for the writers like uh galadriel i i don't think she's a bad actress i actually really enjoy her scenes um i think that you can see the disconnects in how she acts from scene to scene and how it how some scenes how some scenes seem to contradict one another like you have one scene where she's um basically being impulsive a terrible negotiator kind of like i just want to get my way you know the whole there's a tempest in me that whole thing and then later you have her like giving advice to isildur and to um the son uh the southlander boy um like coaching and giving advice and it's like i'm like are you really the world's biggest hypocrite or are we really just seeing like two entirely different portrayals of this character um all that to say i i like the actors and actresses i i think that they have a lot of talent i think their writing's really bad yeah that's that's basically where i am as well um and for some of them i just don't think they've had anything like they haven't had anything to show one way or the other like their acting chops for most of the characters. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely leaning towards the writing is just weak. Um, but, and you already mentioned this a second ago, but just want to put it down for myself as well. The highlight of the show to me was definitely Elrond and Durin's romance and scenes together. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that's, I think that's mostly credit to them. Um, mm-hmm more so than you know the writing on those scenes um you know the potential's there and hopefully they can kind of steer more in that direction um but yeah that was great and uh <laughs> the Halbrand actor this is random but uh 
I kept seeing uh, Yaskier when I saw him from The <laughs> Witcher, and so I kept yeah. like picturing him. Um, okay, I kind of not that we've been avoiding spoilers, but there is. Hang one on, I got I got to complain more about Numenor. That you just reminded me yeah, about ahead. Halbrand. Sorry. The other thing that drives me crazy is I did not like Halbrand in Numenor. I liked him everywhere outside <laughs> of it. In Numenor, it was he was the most cliche you know i'm smarter than everyone i'm you know like think about the scene where alindil and when when uh, galadriel sees the queen and alindil has her dagger or something and then halbrand walks up to him and like he's like hey thanks for saving us and like pats him on the back and it's like okay you know he just took the dagger like i just think about like the mechanics of you're in a room full of people like on the royal floor and then like later like stealing like the um the craftsman badge off of the guy and i don't know i was thinking i was honestly i was i felt like they were trying really hard to make him a sawyer from lost but that he just wasn't he just wasn't it it, it was like sawyer discount like sawyer light <laughs> and i was just i was honestly annoyed i was like i'm so tired of like this cliche-ness like you know i don't get a little emotional about it but that's all i have to say about how, about how brandon numenor was as, as once we were gone he was back on my my good list well i want to respond to that but quickly if anyone's on this video and like you haven't seen the show yet I'm about to jump into some spoilers that you probably don't want to know. So there's a warning. Um, but so I get what you're saying with Halbrand. And Bro, I if you're about that, to discount my criticism by saying because I just, I just who saying, he, I I'm felt, just going to. I felt the same way too. All right. <laughs> but, but given the reveal at the end, I at least thought it, it made it make more sense. No, <laughs> no, You're it not, doesn't. You don't think so? No, I think it is the biggest cop out. Which okay, we said spoilers, everybody. If you're watching this this YouTube video, you need to stop and finish the show. I I just this whole like, well, he's Sauron, so that's why that you know <laughs> he's able to deceive a whole room of people. I'm like, give me a break, bro. This is so stupid. Well, he's he's skilled and a master oh, of deception no. and lies, and I I. I thought that reveal worked for the scene where they get to the Elven City and he's bedridden, and then the very next scene he's up talking to Celebrimbor. Like that, that I thought was a good tie-in to. Like that was when I immediately I turned to my wife and I said, "It's because he's Sauron. That's why he's up and about." Because she was like, "Wait, how did he just go from like on on a horse about to die to this?" Everything else, no, I don't give it. <laughs> That's too far fetched for me. <laughs> okay i mean that's that's a fair criticism i just i think it at least makes more sense than it would if that wasn't the case you know sure. i think if that wasn't the case it'd be like okay like we get it he's cool you know like what a badass right um, <laughs> but i uh so okay again like don't know anything about the deep lore so starting this show i had no idea that that was coming that halbrand would end up being sauron i kind of right. started to have suspicions before the final reveal but i still wasn't sure so um i'm sure you know a lot of fans probably knew the moment he appeared on screen like oh that's that's really sauron maybe they didn't i don't know but it was a reveal to me throughout the course of the show so i i definitely liked it in the sense of okay this i like this as an explanation for a lot of things i've been kind of like well about um one of which which I don't know if this is a fair criticism or not, but 
when we first were with with him and Gladriel, like getting to know each other, and he's got the the symbol or whatever that you know denotes him as the long lost heir of this kingdom or whatever. I was like, man, so he's exactly the same as Aragorn, basically. And I know this lore has been like long written, and it wouldn't be something that like Amazon just made up. But I was like, oh, this is just kind of like we're retreading the exact same ground here. Like this is not interesting. So I really liked that that was like he just stole that from a dead guy type of thing. No, I thought, uh, yeah, I mean, before I was on the he's Sauron uh, boat, um, yeah, where my mind went, I remember turning to my wife, she, he tells Galadriel, like, I sold off a dead man, and you think he's, like, kind of feigning, you know, like, what, that? And I remember turning to my wife and being like, it would be interesting if it turns out he's actually being honest, and he really did steal it, and he's really a nobody. Um, yeah. This was a little bit after he had been kind of like, you know, shored up to be like the the true king of the Southlanders or what have you, um, which is a lot of cool. Like, you know, um, uh, Morgoth having ruled the Southlands, now Sauron um, taking over the Southlands, as we know to be Mordor. There was kind of like a cool um, parallel there of like actually being the king of the Southlands. Right, right. But um, yeah, I, I I did I agree with you. I like that whole thing. It was pretty interesting. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I just I would say that, you know, the the Durin and uh, Elrond oh, romance was one of my favorite parts, but then the corny stuff aside, I really liked the character arc of Halbrand. Like I feel like that was especially in the finale with kind of everything coming together and him and Gladriel's scenes together. That was one of the stronger points of the finale for me. So I really liked that. Um and I think there's potential there if they don't, you know, they don't skew CW and they skew more HBO with how they're going to take things. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I just liked how looking back at some of those scenes, like the one where he's talking about, I stole this off a dead man, when she's like convincing him, like, hey, it doesn't matter what you did in the past, you can make a difference now. And, you know, I think it's interesting to think like was Sauron really considering like this redemption redemptive path in that moment you know when she was trying to convince him that he's not beyond saving and I wanted to ask you like do you think he was truthfully considering like a turn to righteousness for lack of a better word or was he always kind of double double what's the word I'm looking here for but yeah, yeah. Is he manipulating or is yeah, he being yeah. was there always of that genuineness? I, I think it's a more interesting character if it's the latter. And it's kind of where I've gone in my head canon is you know, you see with Adar like the the hurt and anger on Sauron's on Halbrand's face when he he um is talking to Adar and which Adar, by the way, total high point such a great character yeah um, uncle Benjen. sorry i don't know your actor name <laughs> but um you know love that whole line of like did i hurt someone you loved like it was so great mm -hmm. but so it, it it does feel like there is some authenticity some genuineness there i don't think sauron though in his mind is like i'm going to like he's conflicted in terms of like should i be good or should i not be good i think that it is part manipulative in that he's playing Galadriel in the sense of like, well, what if I, what if what I did is really, really bad? And Galadriel's like, it can be forgiven. It's okay. And he's like, but it's real bad, you know, kind of like messing with her a little bit, but on the same token, 
I think there is like a level of um, him feeling righteous about his 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 route, like what he wants to do with Middle Earth, and like what's the line he uses in the finale, like like bind like bind the light to me or something. Like I think I think he sees all these things as like a means for more power, more authority, controlling Middle Earth, you know, whatever that would be. Yeah, I mean obviously we know where it's ultimately headed um and that he does you know kind of go over the deep end of being the evil guy uh but yeah my headcanon is not the right word but my hope is that my personal storyline that i think would make it better is that he was earnest in his consideration of like doing the right thing and I like to think that like that moment earlier that we were talking about in the when they were in the cells together, leading up to the moment in the finale where he is like proposing to her, for lack of a better word, like, you know, I'm the darkness, but you will be the light by my side to like keep me in check, essentially. But I still feel like he may like have the wrong like he definitely has not the best intentions necessarily, but I feel like he at least was open to like but you're going to be the one to rein that in. Like we will rule together and we will be ruling everyone. But like he was still trying to do it in like a, not necessarily like the evilest way possible. Like, so there was like this, this glimmer of like, no together it'll work type of thing. But now obviously, you know, she, what she didn't go for that. And so now he's kind of gone off the deep. But I like to think that there was that, like, at least for moments during the show, he was considering like, Turning to the good side for a really cliche way to put it. Well, and it does make you wonder the kind of the abrasiveness in Galadriel's negotiations with Queen Muriel. How much of that was just perceived as bad writing and how much of it was Halbrand manipulating her? Like we see it a bit more overt where he's like, hey, try it a different way. But I, I think there is like a subtleness there that maybe he's relishing in his prison cell knowing that um Galadriel's out there hopefully convincing you know Numenor to head to the Southlands or um cuz you know if Adar is an enemy of his you know maybe he does want the Numenorians to head to the Southlands and be you know maybe even be wiped out i don't know but um the kind of the subtleness i'm referring to is what you see in the finale where Celebrimbor is describing the potential for the ring and he says um not something of flesh but over flesh or above flesh mm-hmm. and Ga- galadriel's like have you been talking to Halbrand? that seemed pretty evil <laughs> yeah, like, Wait, uh, what? <laughs> but it was it was a cool like subtle detail like if if she hadn't even said that you know you, you may not even catch it that he's saying something that isn't right mm-hmm. um and then also the rings in the final shot um Elron, Galadriel and Celebrimbor. Uh Elron is totally he totally loses interest in revealing what he's found in terms of the, the lineage of the Southlanders and they I think they're not just in all of the rings I think knowing the influence of Sauron that is a subtle nod to the the mm. corrupting influence of him already on them. I like that. I like that a lot cuz I was wondering why you know because both galadriel and elrond don't 
bring it up because they both know, you know, like she hides it from both of them. And then Elrond obviously finds out at the end and he also kind of keeps it close to his chest. So I like that maybe that's already the influence kind of. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just because I was just trying to make sense of like, why would why would they not just say it? You know, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the rings are just that beautiful. I don't know. Yeah. And I didn't again, not to sound like a broken record, but not knowing all this lore, I thought it was really interesting that this was and maybe this is for all I know, this is something they changed from the source material, but that those three were made first and all of the rings weren't created at the same time, because that's what I had always thought. Um, but I never really thought too much about it. And it definitely makes sense that like, well, all the rings were created together, but one was forged in secret that no one knew about. It's not like Sauron and like all the elves and dwarves and humans were all like in a forge together. And he was like off in the corner doing work. Right. So I kind of, I like this, that it, uh, I like the setup of it at least. And so I'm really interested to see how do the humans and the dwarves get involved in this? Like when does Elrond and them, do they travel to the other races and like share this knowledge with them or do the other ones find out and are like, we got to make some of this too. Um, well, Those are interesting it is, things I'm excited to find out. And I think what's interesting too is we have the gift of hindsight. Like we know the rings are bad, except for one of the elven rings that's made in secret, the third one. Um, we know the rings are bad. And so I think if you're not cognizant of hindsight, you could be like, I don't know, I could kind of feel like a like a trope or something or a little cliche, like, you know, we love the rings. Like, you know, how could you be this stupid? And it's like similar to like Halbrand, like you mentioned in Numenor, like if they didn't know to suspect anything, you probably wouldn't, right? Going back to your comment, though, I think what's generally known in the lore is that the rings are gifted in some way, um, not necessarily like as a direct gift, but, you know, they come about as like these artifacts of incredible power and ability, um, which we saw for the Elven Kingdom. It was literally like a boon to save their kingdom. I'm assuming in the next season, which I don't know how fast we're going to see these things rolled out, we're going to see these, you know, similar storylines where these things are really a great thing. But we as the audience know what's, you yeah. know, what's really, it's, it's kind of a bummer because like we know the twist, you know, we have like the gift of hindsight. So I don't know. Yeah. And I, I did like that because again i didn't know this i didn't know that they were originally crafted because they were like losing their immortality so i thought that was a cool like oh it wasn't just a pure power grab of like let's create these powerful rings it was out of like we're gonna die if we don't which i don't really understand how three elves having rings would then protect like the entire race as a whole but bro magic. here's the deal no yeah this is another like plot hole is like even like my wife was just like so this little tiny rock's gonna save them all like there's definitely like something that doesn't make sense there and i they had an opportunity to work it out a little bit when duran is like holding it up and he's like so this is gonna save your people and everyone's like yep like it almost felt like there was a chance to be like or at, or at least even if you're a writer and you don't want to like try to convoluted Kind of in a convoluted way, write it all out. Mm -hmm. You could at least say, have Duran be like, say what the audience is thinking. Well, I don't see how that's possible. Something so small. Yeah. And then maybe Elrond says, you know, <laughs> it is the smallest things that, you know, whatever <laughs> elf thing that he would say. And we're like, okay, yeah, that sounded, that sounded good, you know, but yeah, it was just never talked about. And so I think, like you said, it ends up being kind of this weird, like, okay, so what's going on with this thing? I, I don't know. Yeah. So I wasn't really sure 
if that was the implication that these three rings were going to save the elves as a whole, or like maybe it just saves them and those in close proximity to them, maybe these are answers we get further explanation on, or maybe it's just, it's magic, you know, which to some level is fine because we're in a fantasy world, but I don't know. I feel like there definitely needed to be some bit more of an explanation, at least, you know, for my tastes. Right. Right. It does make you wonder, where do we go from here? How do the dwarves, like, I wonder, is Durin going to overthrow his father? And they open the mines up and, you know, Celebrimbor's like, hey, I can show you some cool rings you can make with that. I, I don't know. Um, it's something interesting. We're eventually going to see the Nazgul, like, not literally, yeah. but the, the kings of the human kingdoms. Who become the Nazgul, including the Witch King? Maybe he was the leader, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if I and again, I don't know the timeline, and obviously the timeline is going to get a bit condensed for the purposes of the show. But I was wondering if the kid might be one, the one that stabs himself with that sword. You know, I feel like he's got kind of like a a turn to the dark side arc in him, maybe. Um. Yeah. So curious if, um, you know, if anyone. I guess would I want to know? Maybe so do you I would. Think, Maybe let me know with the spoiler tag in the comments. If do you think we're gonna get like a time jump? I think we almost. If like, I don't know what the purview of the show is even trying to accomplish. Honestly, like I don't know if, <laughs> if the final episode of the final season is gonna be like a lead up to what we know from the Lord of the Rings, or maybe it ends with Sauron coming to power for the first time. Maybe it ends with him getting defeated. You know, I don't know. So I don't really. If it ends with him getting. I don't know. Either way, it seems like there's going to have to be a time jump. I feel like because we're yeah. talking like thousands of years, but maybe not. Like maybe that's not the story they're trying to tell. Maybe they're just trying to tell a story over a three year span or something, you know, because I have no idea what to expect. Do you think we see Halbrand again? I think we see Halbrand again. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like he's going to be one of the main really? characters. I hope so. At least. I mean, okay. what are you thinking? Maybe not. Oh, I don't know. I mean, if Sauron's a shapeshifter, you know, maybe there's oh. another key character. It's it is Sauron, but it's okay. a different different actor. So you're saying we will see that character, but it might be a new actor. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Give well, me Sean Bean is what I want. I want <laughs> Boromir. <laughs> it doesn't make sense that you're here. He's like, but I am. <laughs> I hope we see Sauron, the character, at least. Otherwise, I don't know that. I feel like that's one of the big draws of the show is like watching him come to power. Yeah. Um, Which I mean, it seems like there's going to be some kind of arc with him and Adar um, either in next season or a future season. Like there's, there's more to happen in Mordor. I feel like other than now it's just Mordor. Um, yeah, I agree. And I wanted to talk a, a little bit about Adar. So now that a nice little segue. Again, I wanted to say, like you did, one of the highlights of the show for me, one of the characters I thought was actually like written well, you know, like he is this. And again, me not knowing who anybody was, I thought he was Sauron when he was first introduced. Um, so when he was like, oh, that's not me. And he, he, I killed him, he even says, which I want to talk about that in a second. But I just love that, you know, he was one of the first elves that was turned into an orc. He considers himself an orc, I think. And his story I can empathize with, you know, like. Here's these outcast, ostracized, brutal, yes, but, you know, they're 
living things just like the other races and they're just looking for their place in the world and you know that's his motivation so like i i can not that i can get i mean i can get behind it but not that like i'm rooting for him especially with the way they go about things in terms of just like murdering people but um you know i just think that's a good character and so i'm glad that he at least for now is still around and we're going to see more from him but on to the killing sauron part i thought it was interesting that he thought that and two you know when halbrand has like the spirit is throw he's like do you remember me but like there obviously was some sort of interaction between them right and i'm tying this into another storyline of i don't know what these people are called but the guys in white quotes uh cloaks that were chasing after the meteor man you know they were looking for sauron right and they were like their presumption was that Sauron would not have his memories. That's why they were looking for them so they could then help him get his memories back. Right. So, and we know that guy came from the stars. So did Adar kill Sauron and he too like returned to Middle Earth from the stars or from wherever? And so that's why he said that, like, because he literally did kill him, but now Sauron's come back. Or did Sauron never die? Or is the truth somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some kind of like, uh, it wasn't really talked about in Lord of the Rings, like the spirit world, I guess. Like you have Frodo puts on the ring, and I think some of the, some of the content I've seen around it is that when he puts on the ring, it doesn't just make him invisible. It like physically like transports him into like the spiritual world, and that's why he sees like the Nazgul for who they really are. Um, I don't know if that's how much how based in theory that is um so it does make me wonder since those three um ascetics or whatever you would call them since they had kind of nazgulian faces whenever you know the spear the, the staff gets raised up it does make me wonder is there going to be like a more like role to play in the spiritual world and like you said was sauron killed and sent there and found a way back i mean i i have no idea um I, definitely with adar's lines i didn't know it's tough because you don't know what is he is he feigning ignorance or is he being right. honest um so i'm not really sure honestly yeah i yeah me neither and i just thought it was interesting that to and kind of the adar and if adar killed him aside i just thought it was interesting that the again what did you call them? Did they have a name? The cloaked? I said I said ascetics, like uh, you know, like religious. Yeah. I don't know. So is there they obviously like were maybe even tasked by Sauron at one point with this job if he knew that was gonna happen to him, or maybe they're just ultra fanatics and they have these beliefs for some reason. But it's just interesting that like, oh, to Gandalf, I don't I mean, I don't know. We'll talk about that in a second, I guess. But they said like, oh, you're the other one. So like as if yeah, there was like this Ishtar. prophesized return of two entities, um, which all that would make sense in my mind. But then as far as Halbrand and Sauron were confirmed from what we saw, there was no indication that he was like newly returneth to this world or, or at all not aware of it. Like he had all his faculties seemingly the whole time, unlike yeah, the meteor all, man. All we know is that his first scene, he's on this raft with a few other people who've seen better days. We don't really know. We know they fled the Southlands because of the orcs. So who knows? I mean, exactly how he popped up and came back around, but 
since he's with these people, he presumably was in the Southlands pre previously, right. right? So it almost seems to imply that something did happen that would cause him to leave. Now, it doesn't really make sense that he would just be fleeing in general. So it like makes me wonder, did he know he'd find Galadriel there? Was he trying to make his way to Numenor? I mean, I'm not, I'm honestly not really sure. And I also kind of wonder how mortal he is, so to speak, in the sense of like when the big fish was, I mean, it was a very cool scene, you know, was sort of prowling in the water. He he seemed pretty intent on like I got to get myself out of here. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot of like just questions with that whole thing. I I definitely am thinking about too. Yeah. So I maybe that maybe I mean surely we'd get answers on this. I would imagine at least. Um, especially with the the Gandalf storyline, if those people still chase him or whatever, but maybe they won't since they know he's not who they were looking for. Uh, but yeah, very interested to to know more about pre-episode one Halbrand's story. Like, was he just fleeing? Because it did seem like, and again, he could be lying or manipulating, but in that moment with Galadriel, you know, he made it seem like I was you know, I was just going to give up. Like I wasn't going to have these aspirations. And then you, the person whose sole motivation was like to stop me are the one that got me like back on the path. So if we can trust that statement hmm. from him, then yeah. it seemed like, was he on that raft? Just like, screw it. You know, like I'm going to go try to live life now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just hope we get some clarity on it, or at least backstory on what was going on. Well, and it begs the question, where is the rest of the orc army? Yeah. We have Adar's forces. Where is like Sauron's entourage, I guess? And that's well, maybe that's presumably where he's going back to in that final scene with them. I don't know. Or maybe like weren't they all at least presumably wiped out? Because weren't the orcs with Adar like a, a surprise for um I can't remember his name. The the elf the main elf that was like with the Southlanders. Right. Like nobody thought they were still around at all. Right. And wasn't right. It like, Oh, they're still here. So maybe they're like, aren't any. Right. And maybe that's why he was just like resigned to his ship life on with the castaways or something. I don't know. Probably a lot more to unpack if we were a little bit more familiar with the lore um, and stuff, but let's talk about Gandalf and yeah. Which I don't know how much is implied by the fact we didn't even mention the storyline in our recap. <laughs> but um, I actually, I really liked Nori and the Harfoots and we're, we're saying Gandalf. Maybe it's not. I think someone, I saw someone say that like in the lore, Gandalf isn't due to show up for like another like few thousand years or something. Um, so I guess it could not be. I don't know what the Ishtar is. Um, to me, it seems like Gandalf. But all that to say, um, I really liked the storyline. I thought the, you know, funny enough, I thought that their music, it's whatever track that keeps playing whenever it's them, I really enjoyed. I liked pretty much all the characters from that storyline. There are people I saw criticism like, like, oh, you just have to have your Hobbit people in it. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I, I really liked really all those scenes, honestly. Yeah, I did, I did too. And as far as the lore, I saw some of this too. And again, not well-versed enough to really even explain what I'm talking about, but seemingly like it doesn't really make sense for that to be Gandalf in terms of the established lore. But it seems like that's definitely who it is given that, that final line that he talked about, like, you know, follow your nose or whatever, which is word for word, the same thing Gandalf says to Frodo. 
um, in the Lord of the Rings. So if it's not him, weird thing to have done. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> there so was I think some that... writer who was like, I'm going to have him say this. I don't know where it came from, though. <laughs> I'm going to have him say, for Frodo, as they charge into battle. <laughs> I know it's from something. <laughs> anyway. So I think that this is just one of the creative kind of. Yeah leniences they're going to take with telling this story because it does bring in a lot of for lack of a better word casual fans to be like oh it's lord of the rings show yeah like gandalf's in it um so i i'm sure that maybe would upset some people but i think it's cool um kind of to see how he became what we know him to become at some point and i also like just the the narrative parallel i guess of being paired with i know they're harfoots not hobbits yet but being paired with the harfoots just like we know him to have this like special relationship with hobbits thousands of years later like this is probably where that blossomed you know because these are the first people that helped him when he arrived here so i like that aspect of it um yeah it's a nice it's a nice explanation i guess of that relationship it's it's i think it's less fan service and more like here's why in lord of the rings that relationship was there for sure and I'm just excited to see, like, I've always thought that that was just an interesting character, especially, spoilers, in Lord of the Rings, how, like, you know, Gandalf the Grey dies and Gandalf the White comes back, but he doesn't, like, he's not, like, the same person, really. Like, he is, right. but he's, like, a whole new character. And so I feel like this is kind of shedding some light on how these, I forget the, the actual name of, like, these wizards, starts with a V or something, I think, but how these entities, like, work, like... They are the same entity, but like they kind of enter new Super Saiyan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um I'm just interested to see if slash when he might like regain more of his faculties and maybe he or maybe he's like new. Like maybe this is the first time he's ever showed up and this is like he's a, a baby for lack of a better word. But perhaps he's not, and just like those people were trying to get Sauron's memories back to him. Maybe Gandalf will at some point, you know, regain his true memories. And I'll be interested just to see like, yeah, it, what it that was entails. Little, it, it was a little confusing though. He went from like saying maybe one word, like I'm good to like, after he's rescued, he's like, you should follow your nose. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, what, what happened? Like, why are you so smart all of a sudden? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Smart's not the right word. Like, like aware of, it seemed like his, he had kind of rediscovered a part of himself. And maybe that, maybe that was an implication of that whole scene. Like when he picks up the staff, it, it does like awaken something in him. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was so, there was such a disconnect. I felt like that. I was like, bro, you couldn't even pick up an apple that's rolling down a hill. And now you're, (laughs) you're Gandalf. Like what's, what's going on here yeah so so yeah i'm and i didn't expect the um uh nori to like travel with him at the end i didn't expect her to like leave her her family i feel like she had to and she had a really i don't know if we'll see any of those characters again um except for maybe her best friend who's maybe following them in secret um but because she has no one like i love right. the detail of you find out like she's lost her whole family you know they wandered off the trail or whatever um so it seems like there's a really cool like samwise you know it, it has to happen right yeah. 
But um, I don't know if we'll see any of the other characters, but I think what was really cool was the development of that whole group. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, nobody wanders off trail. And yet um, the leader of the Harfoots, um, he and Nori's mom volunteering to go with them to help Gandalf, who was an outsider. Like Mm -hmm. that was just, that was really cool. That was like kind of a nice development for those characters. And it was also nice at the end, nice at the end with, you know, Nori's mom kind of being like, you know, she even said it or Nori said it herself. I'm a Harfoot. That's all I'm ever going to be. Them being like, Hey, you're going to go with them, right? Like you kind of have to, um, that all felt really good to me. And that's, I guess that's why not going back to Numenor, but like, it's why some of the writing feels so weird because you have these, yeah. some storylines that just don't really sink. And then when you look at the Harfoot story, the, the start, middle and end, you just see how some of these things really came together. Well, yeah, so. I completely agree, which is another reason why the finale or, and the penultimate episode and the finale kind of really gave me another surge of hope for the show because I really liked right. everything you just talked about. And I, I could totally see us never like the show leaving the rest of the Harfoots and that storyline is going to be Nori and, and Gandalf, but I hope it doesn't like, I would love to still see what happens like with them. Cause like, I think that's one of the most valuable assets this show has is just like the deep lore of this world. And so show me, Show me more about what the Harfoots do. How do they become the Hobbits one day? You know, not that we'll necessarily see that, but like, I hope we haven't seen the last of them, even though Nori has left them and is doing her own thing now. Right. Um, I think it would be a mistake if so, but you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't, but I hope, I hope that's not. Yeah. I will say this is probably, maybe this is an unfair criticism, but again, it being a billion dollar show, I was kind of like, at, at maybe like around episode four or five, I was like, can we get Gandalf like something to wear that's not like a bunch of leaves and ropes? Like, I, I don't know. It just feels like the the set design or costume people being like, all right, let's, let's bring out his outfit. That's what he wears. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I know it's petty. I'm just like, it just feels like, I don't know. Sometimes when that, when that happens, it just kind of gives a sense of like a, a staleness, I guess, to like what's actually happening. Um, and the fact that they, we know they traveled a great distance to like the new orchard or whatever, and he wore the same thing the whole time. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, could we not no one to loan him something or, I mean, it's a lot bigger, but still, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, there definitely is some criticism to be had there just with the show as a whole in terms of, again, feeling a bit CW at times. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, Gandalf soundtrack though that was Biss <laughs> it was really good quick thing I just I just now realized when we were talking about it earlier in terms of like the timeline of the show like will there be a time jump so we know Isildur's in he's in the show and he's like a teenager right now and we know yeah. at the fall of Sauron he's like an adult right so that really is only like 10 years max seemingly I guess it could be actually it could be like 10 to to 30 maybe i guess yeah depending how old he is yeah which that's i was previously thinking like thousands but no like really and not that i don't know how long of a time between like when sauron gets his fingers chopped off you know and when like lord of the rings takes place could be thirty thousand years for all i know but 
at the very least, we're not that far away from Sauron being defeated. Um, so, yeah, I guess the story now in my mind got a lot more shrunk. There yeah. still could be a time jump from like teenage Isildur to grown man Isildur, but. Yeah, okay. So the. Okay, yeah, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> the period, so the second age of Middle Earth is the period of 3,400 years that begins with the defeat of Morgoth to the first defeat of Sauron. Okay. Interesting. I guess so, we really yeah. don't know how long it's been since the defeat of Morgoth, like in terms of I, years. It's probably been quite a bit of time, honestly, because it's so much time has passed that people have even begun to kind of stereotypically like forgotten who was the enemy again. Did they, you know, where did they even really exist? I mean, if you, if you set it forward that many thousands of years, it makes a lot more sense why the elves watching over the Southlanders have become kind of casual and, um, and also kind of paints the picture of why Galadriel's team mutinies. Cause they're like, dude, let it go. Like (laughs) it's been forever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to see if the show even reaches that point. Like, maybe the show's not even aiming to reach that point of Sauron's defeat, but it seems like that would be the logical place to ultimately end up. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see, like, the characterization of Isildur from now to then, because we know he ultimately doesn't cast the ring in the fire, which right. is what, you know, sets off the whole events of Lord of the Rings. So, like, will we will we empathize with that decision or will it be kind of like a heel, like a dark turn, you know, like, is he going to be just a pure, like maniacal, like I want the power for myself type of decision, which is kind of how it's been played off in terms of Lord of the Rings, but they have the opportunity now to kind of humanize him and maybe like, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe there's, maybe they make that an interesting choice instead of just a, yeah. Ooh, I want the power for myself. Yeah, I will say, I will say that um, I, I I feel bad for the writers because hindsight kind of cheapens the story a little bit. Like what we're talking about with the Sildor, like uh, it made me even think about like him dying. You know, and Alindil thinks his son is dead, and even like how kind of vague and cheesy like the ceiling caving in, and then like if you don't know the Sildor is a Sildor, um as the writer it, it, you can make that so much more punchy now like the horse his horse being released into the wild it, it, it now it can symbolize like letting go of his the loss of his son um but we're like oh yeah there goes his horse he's gonna go get a sildor now you know it's just like it's just it's too bad because since we know how the story ends it kind of makes the stakes not really as punchy i guess I think that's fair, but I think it's also f- like you can definitely still tell an interesting and sure story, even with that being the case. Um, I don't think they're doing. We've already kind of talked about our criticisms of the writing and stuff. Obviously, they could be doing a better job, but I do wonder, like, with how big this show was in terms of budget and stuff, I gotta assume at least their hope is that it becomes a pretty mainstream thing. So I wonder the casual average viewer of this show if they even know that you know like do they even know 
who Isildur is. That's fair. Um, no, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I maybe yeah. I should ask my girlfriend if she. I'm sure she actually doesn't have any <laughs> idea who he is, but I'm yeah, curious, you know kind of like is? the the generic where the audience falls on the on the. She's like, no, let me go back to sleep. <laughs> it's two in the morning. Okay, well, um, I know we've been going for a little bit. Is there any other like specific story points that you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. We we hit pretty much the main things I wanted to talk about. Just in terms of of wrapping it back up to a point here, what? Let me ask you, I guess, a two-pronged question. What do you think was the strongest part of this show? And what's your final grade if you want to give it a grade or if you want to just be super binary, worth watching, not worth watching? Yeah, I would say a generic answer. The, the high point would be episodes six, seven, and eight um, because there was no Numenor. And... <laughs> I don't know that that's was it the sixth or the seventh episode where the um, Mordor Mount Doom erupts mm. like that was just a fantastic final five to ten minutes of an episode. Yeah. I mean, it was really crazy and good. Um, so I think and, and also like that back half got back into sort of what the original trilogy is known for, which is like very much practical effects. And it wasn't as, I mean, I'm saying it wasn't as CGI heavy when there's like this plume of, you know, lava of smoke coming at you. But it just wasn't like, compare it to the start of the episode of the season when Galadriel like jumps off someone's sword who like launches her up on the troll. Or like maybe like episode two or three when the elves who are imprisoned by the orcs are like throwing the chains and like, yeah. you know, twisting. That stuff was very superhero-y to me. And it's just not what I enjoy the back half felt a lot more grounded um as amazing as these warriors are it just felt a lot more palatable if that makes sense so i don't know if that answers your question but it, it felt like the show found its footing a lot better towards the end mm -hmm. um and those were definitely like the high points for me like i went from like kind of like i'm watching this show hoping it's going to be good to okay i'm excited for next week this is really good yeah so, uh, and before i answer the second question i'll ask that first one back to you, um, your high point for the show. High point for the show, I would definitely, in, in, I'll answer it in, a, in two kind of ways. I will agree with you that the second half, I feel like it really started finding its, its, its zone, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I was like, okay, we're, this is set up. I really like where we're headed with like Sauron headed into Mount Doom. So I really felt like those last two episodes, especially were it really starting to sing. So I'd say that was the high point, like of the of the season in terms of episodes. But the high point of like the show for me, I think honestly was just like the the beautiful set pieces and the the cinematography, for lack of a better word, in some scenes. Uh, we already talked earlier about how some of it, you know, left a lot to be desired. But the parts that they hit, they hit well. Like I thought, like yeah, I'm in like I'm in Lord of the Rings right now. Like this is. These are the beautiful like landscapes of Middle Earth that Peter Jackson right. first introduced to me. I thought that they did that really well when, when they were at least you know not to, I'm not going to retread, but so th those were probably the high points for me. And I, I'm not like I don't want to be 
disappointed in season two, but I do now have like, okay, I yeah. see where this could be good. And so I'm excited for season two, maybe, maybe a little too much, maybe, uh, you know, given what the lows we kind of hit sometimes in season one. I think I, I think I have to see more of where the budget's being spent. Like the fact that it's a billion dollar show, there were definitely episodes where I was like, why did this cost so much? Like, and <laughs> yeah. I, was just, I was just, I just didn't get it. And I could see it a lot more in the second half, but definitely the first half I was thinking, well, how did they spend a billion dollars on this? Um, yeah. cause we already talked about a CW show, but, um, <laughs> overall I would give season one a solid B I think Ooh. maybe a B plus, maybe a B plus. Okay. Um, Ended on a high note, a lot of weak episodes in Numenor. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd say maybe a B plus. If I was maybe coming off the high of the finale, I maybe would have given it an A minus. Oh. Um, but probably I'd say a B, maybe a B plus. Okay. Um, which now I'm thinking I have to be like, it's like a seven. I don't know. Um, what about you? I see. I was, maybe I'm being a little harsh, but I was thinking... C plus B minus is the range I'm kind of in. If I hadn't watched the last three episodes, I'd be in the solid C territory. But I really liked how everything ended, and I'm yeah. hopeful, and so I put it in the B range. Yeah, I would say I'm probably, if I gave two answers there, I'd say I'd probably, because of the finale, in the B minus range, but I was definitely like C plus range for the whole middle of the show. Um, yeah. But then kind of the nice little skirt at the end. Yeah. Um, so we we put it for you guys listening. We put it in the C to B maybe range. It sounds like. Yeah. And should you watch it? Not that I mean anybody that made it this far that hasn't seen it, I guess is probably zero percent. But <laughs> I, I would say if you're a fan of fantasy stuff, and you know this is your normal like genre that you enjoy, then yeah, for sure watch it. But if if you're not really a typical fantasy person, I would say you could probably skip it at least for now. Like maybe we'll check back in a couple seasons if it really picks up, but you know, you're going to find this content at least for now better elsewhere. We don't talk about the end of game of Thrones, but like, I don't think this even comes anywhere near like how good season one of game of Thrones was or the early seasons. But so if you're a fantasy fan, check it out. If not, you could probably wait and we'll see where this goes. I'd say even if you enjoyed the Lord of the Rings movie, maybe you're not a huge fantasy person, but you like Lord of the Rings, you might enjoy it. So, there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess I guess that's it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks for checking us out. If this, if I'm actually curious, if this is your first, if you're on this video and this is your first you've ever listened to us, I would love to hear about that in the comments because uh, sure most of the people are coming from our other content. But appreciate you sticking around. If you did. And got, I guess Critical Role is probably the next thing we got coming yeah, up. next week. Um, yep. Okay. But other than that, we just need a thumbnail. Yeah. I think I'm going to do like a... I was thinking of maybe what? like a... Like, because we're talking yeah, about yeah. Is, it, is it good or not. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That All works. All right. Well, don't forget, guys, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, we don't pay the, the blue checkmark fee, but we're still on there. <laughs> we're at the Pixelus um, here on our YouTube channel, the Pixelus YT. Um, well, and oh, 
correction there now because uh, not to get in the weeds here but youtube introduced new youtube handles uh which that i think is now our url which it is just at pixelists the pixelist oh. was taken <laughs> but yeah so at i pixelists. think if you just type in backslash pixelists it'll get you to us now okay cool all right well thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you later bye See ya. <laughs>